Hello and welcome to episode 227 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and here we're going to do our second ever movie review. Uh, last year we did a movie review of Detective Pikachu, where um, Rob, Peter, and I sort of liked that movie more than we expected to. And now we have a movie with a different set of expectations and maybe a different overall feeling, but also with two different overall panelists. So joining me today is first, Alana Hakes. Hey everyone. And last, Zach Wilkerson. Hi there. Now, the movie that we're here to discuss is Dragon Quest Your Story. This is an animated movie that came out in summer 2019 in Japan, and uh, frankly, a shocking Western release on uh, February 13th of this year. Uh, Alana and Zach, I was totally willing to accept that this movie would never ever leave Japanese shores. And I would watch a, sub, a pirated subtitle of the Blu-ray six months later. Like, I had already accepted that in my heart. But then, but then in, uh, in January or maybe late December, we got a, re- we got a reveal from Netflix that they were, that they were uh, publishing it um, in worldwide in territories outside Japan. That was crazy to me. Um, do you, yeah. did, did you have a similar reaction of oh. shock? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, especially that they were actually dubbing it. I thought they might release it just with subs. That seemed like a strong possibility to me, but the fact that they did a dub, and we'll get to this later, but the dub was actually pretty good. Um, I, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. I think I'm less surprised because Dragon Quest seems to have had a big uptake since Dragon Quest Eleven, and then the Switch port last year. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they are finally realizing that it's more viable outside of Japan. But I think Netflix was probably the right place to do it, and they seem to have this big old pickup of, like, video game franchises, I mean, we've got Castlevania, and then they picked up the Nino Kuni movie around the same time as well, which I would... Yeah, I think, argue... it, was, I think it was announced the same a... day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, it has a broader appeal, but it's definitely a smaller series. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was pretty surprised, and probably more surprised, again, that it was dubbed more than anything. I just expected a kind of sub. Um, but, yeah, I think we're pretty much all on the same page, really. I was ready to like I did with Advent Children when it first came out, ready oh, to man. like <laughs> stream it online somewhere and watch it with subtitles. So it was a nice surprise. Yeah, and you and you're right. I think Netflix was a natural place for this because Netflix has more no, more money than they know what to do with, <laughs> and uh, they experiment with a lot of niche things. Like they uh, they pick up a lot of um, popular anime series that you would normally assume would go to a Funimation or a uh, or a Crunchyroll or something. Under normal circumstances, but they uh, Netflix uh, has they sort of have their fingers in a lot of different um, content creation pots, and uh, they landed on Dragon Quest Your Story. Uh, and listeners, I'm going to record this with Alana and Zach here, assuming that you've already seen this movie. We're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. We might gloss over details and talk about visual things like art style that assume that the listenership has also seen it, which is normal for us. We talk about spoilers a lot, but I really implore implore you, try to see this movie before listening to the podcast uh, just because of some endgame stuff. The, the ending of this movie was uh, is so surprising that I really value that uh, spoiler-free experience. So without the, out of the way, we're gonna, let's start spoiling this movie. Um, Dragon Quest, your story... A very loose adaptation of Dragon Quest V, one of the more lastingly popular games in the series. Uh, I recorded the podcast uh, on it for this very series. Um, oh, goodness, in 2017 or 2018. I don't know. The years run together by now. <laughs> it was uh, a while ago, yeah, when Rob Steinman was still on the staff. And, yeah. It was before yeah. my time, so, yeah. And uh, this movie actually uses footage from the original Super Famicom version. At the very, uh, the Dragon Quest V is sort of uh, in four parts, where you play part of the game as a child, then as a teenager, then as a newlywed, and then as a, and then as a father. And they go, they sort of gloss over most of the child section by showing clips from the original Super Famicom version of the game. But like, they go over a lot of stuff from the first few hours of the game, in, in a 16-bit cutscene, and then they weave it into a 3D animation style that, I, I don't know, it's not really anime, and it's not really um, rounded edges western either. It's, it, it toes the line a little bit. It kind of reminded me of the Astro Boy movie from, like, eight years ago. Oh, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it's, it's not unattractive, and, uh, and, and sometimes very expressive and beautiful. What did you think of the visual style of the movie? 
Uh, I really liked it. I think, um, heads up in case people haven't seen the front page or have been an RPG fan, I did actually do a write-up for the Dragon Quest movie. Um, so you should go and check that out and see what I feel. Um, again, I would say watch it maybe beforehand. I've tried to stay spoiler-free in it, but... Mm-hmm. Listeners, that uh, would be in the features section, and it posted on February 19th of this year. So, uh, yeah, please go and check that out. It'll, we'll, I'm sure it'll overlap with the discussion that we're having right now. It's awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably will overlap a little bit. Um, but um, I kind of found it like dreams, DreamWorks-y kind of style, kind of like How to Train Your Dragon-esque characters, maybe a little bit more mature. I think the Astro Boy movies are quite a nice comparison. Yeah, I just I just I'm... looked it up. The Astro Boy movie was 11 years ago, not 8. So, I just, wow, yeah, again, really? I, again, I don't understand this passage of time anymore. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it was that old either. Um, but I thought it was really good. And I know um, one sticking point in when it came out in Japan, was that the characters don't use Akira Toriyama's art style, but I don't think it harms anything necessarily. I think that it's got its own visual identity to a degree. Um, uh, The only thing I would nitpick maybe is that, you know, Dragon Quest monsters have their own personality and style, and because of Toriyama's art style, (laughs) and those that is kind of retained, so there's a little bit of a visual clash. It's not too terrible, and you get used to it, but I think that's maybe my only nitpick, but I think it's gorgeous. Like, it's so pretty. It's so well lit. It's so expressive. And I think I was pretty mesmerized by it visually. Yeah, and and I thought the characters moved really well. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, it it doesn't have the same, you know, eyes and hair and, uh, and bold lines that Toriyama's art does. But just the way the characters moved did not feel stilted or awkward or bad. Like, it, it, it... um, you could tell it was sort of a uh, maybe not like you know top of the line Pixar animation, but this was an expensive movie. There was a yeah, th- th- there was effort put into the animation studio. Yeah, I mean the director um, for this worked on the Loop and the Third CGI movie as well that came mm, out in Japan yeah. in December 2019, and. Like the comparison is, you can see that you can see the similarities easily. They both look stunning. Like, a, there's been probably dozens of Lupin movies over the years in in, uh, in Japan. Um, like the first Lupin anime was, I think, in the late '60s. He's he's a bit of an he's been an, around. He's a bit of an animation institution. So for the the big Lupin movie, probably did have a uh, a good budget, and and this is that's a, a solid pedigree for this one. Hmm. I'm not that familiar with that director's work. I, I did watch the recent Lupin series, but I haven't seen the new. I haven't seen the recent movie. No, I haven't either. I'm sure yeah. Netflix will probably acquire it at some point, or whoever <laughs> owns the license to Lupin over here. So, you know, I really have no idea. I'm not. I'm not sure of any Lupin stuff that has uh, that has made it over to North America, except for the Green Jacket series. I, I know they have the Miyazaki Lupin. Uh, oh yeah, 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 um, yeah, 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 yeah. Castle Cagliostro, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In every series, Lupin has a different color jacket. He does. So, yeah, the, the green jacket one is the 70s one, I think. Uh, but anyway, back to Dragon Quest. Uh, so loose adaptation of Dragon Quest V. It sort of starts in the second half of the of the childhood segment where uh, you're visiting... Um, I forget the name. It's the, it's the town to the east of Wheelbrook where, where Harry is the, uh, is the prince. Basically, the, the hero meets the bratty prince Harry... And uh, and then his father Pankraz uh, um, uh, rescues him, and and you can sort of tell Pankraz is living in a in an isolated area with your uh, with you and uh, and your father's servant Sancho. Uh, you're traveling the world, but um, in search of your mother, who you only see in the 16-bit cutscene at the beginning at first. So you have this vague, larger quest of searching for your mom, but also uh, when the hero meets Prince Harry. This is one of the things that bothered me the most about the movie. The hero is so clumsy and doofy <laughs> for most of the run of the movie. In in most of the Dragon Quest games, you, the hero has sort of a quiet confidence about him. Yeah. I mean, he's a silent protagonist, or, or she. So, of course, there's the quiet half of that quiet confidence. But the... Um, but 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 they they always seem to you know be level headed doing the heroic thing, and and rarely pratfalling or being or totally being played for comedy. But 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 like the 
uh, the hero in this in in Dragon Quest, your story is a bit of a clumsy buffoon at times. For a while, first year play in the movie, you uh, see the hero playing with Harry as, as children, and then a little bit later, you see them uh, escape out of a out of a out of a temple together as teenagers. And in both cases, Harry is sort of the Harry is sort of the cooler one, the one who's sort of taking action and taking charge. And I did not like that one bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't like how. Um... I don't like Harry's, uh, what do you call it, characterization in this film at all. And I think it's kind of a larger problem with, like, like my bigger problem of the film overall is this beginning sequence. Like, yeah. the SNES Famicom section crossed over with, like, two minutes to cover that childhood arc in CGI is not mm-hmm. enough. And I think the childhood arc does a lot to establish yeah. most of the game's story and emotional impact. Like... Isn't point isn't part of the point that Harry is supposed to be a spoilt brat who mm-hmm. grows over the period of eight years? So from like or ten years or however long they're in capt- uh, captured for, but like he's a bit of a brat obviously in the beginning because you know he's like six or seven or however old he's meant to be, and then it fast forwards eight ten years and all of a sudden he's like a tiny bit like oh no I don't want to be smeared in mud, but otherwise he's just pretty flat and normal and like you say more the more confident of the two of them i'm not as fussed about um luca who's the hero's name in right. this film um his clumsiness i think it's probably a way to make him more endearing and it will probably come clear as we get towards the end discussion why he's a little bit clumsy or mm-hmm. it, it's, it's um, put in context later but i in the moment i did not appreciate it yeah um but yeah i think harry's kind of character and this beginning section is maybe part of my bigger problem with this film. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed the 16-bit section. Like, when I'm mm. watching it, I'm like, oh, it's really cool. I, I mean, I, I played it emulated many years ago. And so, like, it, it it certainly engaged me. But then, like, it starts so late. Like, it, it causes the actual movie proper to start so late in the childhood arc, like, right at the end of it. Uh, at the Maybe, like, the one of the one or two most emotional moments that I, I – to me, it doesn't work. And I, I agree with you about Harry um, because – they make they try to they try to do it a little bit in the uh, the beginning of the second arc uh, when they're uh, enslaved, but it it doesn't really show any growth. And I have some other real problems with the way they use Harry at the very end of this movie. Oh my! But, um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that I was mean, about that makes zero sense. But yeah, I mean, I just I think that it them cutting. I wish they had taken the fifteen minutes they added at the end and just made that and spent that money on the beginning of the movie instead. And it would be about 10 times stronger. Right. It, it, it glosses over several of the um, storylines within the first arc by having these uh, not even 16 bit scenes, just like just glimpses of 16 bit scenes. And, and then they go to the por- portion where uh, Harry and Luca are captured and uh, Luca's father, Pankras rescues them. And Zach was alluding to this. Um, Pankras um, sacrificing himself to save his son is one of the most impactful scenes in the entire game. It, yeah. it didn't. It did not live up to the game version in this movie mm-hmm. version. Like, like, um, like I don't think it was the, uh, the the fault of the actors reading the dialogue. It was it, it was just choreographed poorly. I mean, it happens like five minutes into the movie. I yeah. Mean, even as a person who's played this game maybe four or five times, like mm-hmm. I. I felt nothing, um, and I've always felt something when I was playing the game. Always. If anything, I think they should have glossed over like the middle arcs of this game and not the beginning, because like setting up uh, what, what the hero's yeah, motivation is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Setting up what the hero's motivation is and how much of a, a of a great man Pankras is, only for him to you know die saving his son. I think is really important, and they resolve that in the first ten minutes. It, it's, yeah, it's I a bit don't... of a disappointment. I don't think they would ever capture it perfectly because part of the emotion of playing Dragon Quest V is that you are controlling Pankras in that fight as he is getting beaten up and killed. So I don't think they'd ever perfectly get it, but I do think that not showing the hero, um, not showing Luca with his father, not showing his father doing all these cool things, not showing how strong he is, it does lose that impact. Like going through that dungeon to save your father or save Harry is you know that's not there either like it just mm-hmm. forces over that section as well and yeah you don't really get a sense that actually oh my god pancras is this incredible person and 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 also uh they, they gloss over meeting uh nara and bianca for the for the first time and meeting percy for the first time so when they're yeah. intro- so when all three of those are introduced in like the the i don't know the, the second quarter of the movie 
there's this moment of great recognition that Luca has, but the audience doesn't really share that moment of recognition. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's like yeah. oh, it's like who are these people that uh, Luca seems extremely happy to yeah. see? Oh, okay, that's weird. I'm fairly certain the film's banking on you having played the game. Yeah. Yes. I think yes. Like I was quite shocked to see people people who enjoyed this film, and actually, it's better than I thought it was going to be because I'd heard that obviously it didn't get good reception in Japan, um, but. I'd heard people saying that you could probably watch this without playing the game, and I think you could, but I don't think... I think some things will be lost, like the way it glosses over certain character arcs, the way it glosses over certain things, and, like, you're not going to get... You know, we've all played the game, you two more than I have, and (laughs) more frequently. um, We've all played it, and we all know where these moments are, and we expect them, and we're like, oh, yeah, you know, they're nice memories for us, and kind of thing, and... That's kind of how the yeah. film plays out. But, like, if you've never played the game before, it's just going to be like, wait, what's going on? Oh, okay, they met this. Okay, all right. Oh, they're, like, now happy that they're reunited with Percy and, oh, their dad's died and things like that. It just doesn't it doesn't feel right without the context, I don't think, of playing the game. I, I agree. This um, movie sort of assumes that the player, uh, sorry, that the viewer has played Dragon Quest V before and has, to a point, Dragon Quest as part of their life before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, even as a person who adores Dragon Quest, um, you know, the movie still has to stand on its own. It doesn't uh, because of that. Like I I have, and I said this before we started recording, I had a stupid smile on my face while I was watching this when we, you know, got Saber or Percy as he's called here. And, you know, and all all the slime moments and all the musical cues, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Like, I I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed seeing these moments in CGI that I've experienced, but I mean, it it doesn't work without the setup. And so I don't feel it in the same way. I feel it purely as nostalgia for that game and not in any way as enjoyment of this Mm. specific film experience. A significant amount of how much I enjoyed this film, which which I view positively. I thought thought that part of the... I I, I mean, uh, spoiler for maybe some of our final thoughts, but I I thought this movie was a little disappointing. But ultimately, I, I liked it. Like, I'm glad I watched it. Although I, I just have weird specific uh, caveats and disappointments, and but but one of those disappointments is the way it glossed over parts of the game, and I, it, it felt like it assumed a level of pre-knowledge. I think it was challenging. Like maybe this should have been a four-part, uh, like 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 four short films an hour each or something. Yeah, like half an hour an hour. I think. Yeah, like, like I mean, I mean, uh, Alana, you mentioned how Netflix was sort of getting in on the on the video game adaptation corner. What if they had made this a four or six episode series like Castlevania? Yeah, I've I, I, been down for that. I, 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 I think that was originally supposed to be a movie too. So there yeah, you go. It, yeah, it it feels like a. It feels like a more appropriate format, especially since Netflix absolutely thrives on people doing uh, b- um, binges of medium-sized series, or, yeah. or or extremely long series. But uh, the uh, you you can watch almost all of Midsummer Murders on Netflix on American Netflix, Alana. <laughs> can you? <laughs> yeah, they have like eleven seasons or something insane. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, eleven series. Yeah, so it's it's unusual where they sort of pick and choose what areas to spend a lot of time on and what areas to not spend any time on, and that moves mm-hmm. and that and uh, that moves us to when um, Harry and Luca are captured and get and uh, and are you know left in slavery to work in this temple for oh shoot eight years or ten years or some amount of time like that, and then they have a dramatic escape, and uh, they. They meet Doctor Aegon on the, during their escape, and um, and and uh, <laughs> that makes and, me laugh every time. Yes, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, Harry and Luca part ways. Although there's no uh, there's no nun character for Harry to fall in love with, which is a which is a, a, yeah. a bit of a bum, a bit of a uh, bummer, but not 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 the wor- yeah not, not not the worst omission. Um, we'll we'll get to who the worst omission is later. But they, but they they fe- they um feature that they 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 play the temple escape sequence almost in its entirety when it's maybe ten or fifteen minutes in the game, and then uh, the hero immediately sprints towards heroism and he uh, he finds his childhood home, uh, uh, gets his father's sword, reunites with his father's servant Sancho, who's who's very uh, amusing in this movie, mm-hmm. and and sort of like. There's just a mo- a montage of him defeating monsters and you know grinding levels basically, <laughs> until uh, until he's a, a lot. <laughs> yeah until he's an adventurer of, of some ability by the time he reaches a uh, um a, what was it? is a monstro ferrato was the uh, yeah yeah it's straight to there yeah you go straight to the 
around the midpoint of the game where he uh, he uh, meets his childhood friend Nera and his childhood friend Bianca. And on the um, before this, during the level up montage, he meets his old, his childhood cat Percy, who's now a fully grown saber cat. So it's a and and also recruits a, a slime named uh, named uh, was it Gutrude. Yes. Gutrude, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. He, so also, he, best part of this movie. Yes, the the, the, the slime <laughs> is a, the slime is a positive presence in this movie. So, like um, uh, recruiting Percy and Gutrude sort of um, references the uh, the monster recruitment edge of Dragon Quest V, which is a lot of how you build your party. You uh, you um, in, invite monsters to join your team, and they uh, and uh, by the end of the game, or uh, well, I mean throughout the whole throughout the whole of the game, most of your team is going to be monsters that you met along the way. And uh, and they they don't exactly give you an army of monsters to follow behind you in your caravan, but they 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 uh, they give they give them a couple at least at least Percy and Gutrude. I, I missed my slime knight and my golem because yeah, I, yeah. Those were mainstays <laughs> oh, for me. Yeah. The slime knight, the slime knight, the golem, the heel slime, and the great dragon. Those are my four. Yeah. Those are the four yeah. I always want. Mm. I've never grinded for the Great Dragon, but otherwise, yes, I agree. Yeah, the, the, I think I mentioned this on the podcast years ago. Um, I thought the Great Dragon was the coolest monster I'd ever seen uh, it, 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 the first time I played the game, so I did grind for that one. And every time I played it since, I thought to myself, should I grind for the Great Dragon or should I not? And then I end up doing it every time. I, I've, I've, so cool looking, though. I have gotten... The dragons are so cool. Yeah, I've gotten that golden yeah. dragon every playthrough I've done of five, and sometimes it's taken me, like, 30 minutes, and sometimes it's taken me multiple afternoons. But I've always, I've, I've always gone for it. <laughs> Such a gorgeous-looking dragon, though. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that dragon shows up in this movie, regrettably, but that, that, that's... I'll, I'll let it slide. But uh, this sequence where um, Luca... Uh, is trying to obtain the hero's sword because part of his father's journey was searching for the um, for the hero that would save the world. And he and Pankras knew that he was that he himself wasn't the hero, but thought his son might be because his wife was a uh, uh, is was Zenithian, and the hero had to be of his, of a Zenithian lineage. So uh, uh, Nera's father is holding onto the sword, which is not exactly how it happens in the game. But again, I don't I don't care that deeply about it this time, and. Uh, Instead of having to search for the two magic rings to um, woo Nera's hand in marriage, you uh, the, the hero has to uh, defeat Bjorn, which normally happens near the end of the game in Dragon Quest V. But they're again they're truncating truncating it for this movie. And then we have a real Looney Tunes moment where Luca just charges into the cave and gets booted out like Wily E. Coyote style. <laughs> <laughs> I do really love those fight sequences, though. I think these are some of my favorite parts of the film. Like. Yeah. The whole training the, montage and this fight with Bjorn at the beginning of this part, I really, really enjoyed I think this whole, this whole sequence is by far the strongest part of this movie, in my opinion. I, I think the action choreography is very good. When um uh-huh. when the hero and his companions are fighting um are, are fighting groups of monsters, uh, like it's it, it's exciting. And some of the you know some of the big sword strikes and the big dodges like have have impact. It's like okay, this is a, this is a cartoony action sequence, but it's a it's a well produced one of those. And uh, and e- even when like um, when Bjorn is chasing uh, uh, he- the hero and Bianca riding on Percy's back, and Percy's like jumping from cliff to cliff, I'm like, okay, this this wouldn't be out of place in, like Alana said, in a How to Train Your Dragon or 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 hmm. some such. But but and and the action is very shown in anime and very cartoony in a way that I thought was pretty satisfying. Like I rarely had a problem with the action in this movie until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> which which we'll get to. Yeah, likewise. But um, one of the big cruxes in the game Dragon Quest V is choosing who you marry. Uh, you have your childhood, your uh, the sort of very demure, very noble Nera, and the sort of more tomboyish, more uh, confident Bianca. And you were childhood friends with Bianca and went on a, a few adventures together in the first part of the game. And in uh, uh, and Nera, you meet once briefly as a child and then briefly as an adult. And uh, you you definitely think she's pretty, but uh, the game sort of mo- pushes you towards Bianca. Like like they they try to give you more of an attachment to Bianca, in, in a way that I, I think between those two. Sorry, Zach, we're putting Deborah aside for this uh, for the yeah, purpose well, of this you conversation. Talk about the, the, the character we miss the most. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a question that I will ask later. But uh, but putting Deborah aside for now, I think that Bianca is the more lastingly popular of the of the marriage options in this game. Um. And the, and the game frames it that way. But in the movie, the way they do it, um, they have Luca weirdly enthusiastic to marry Nera. Mm. And, then he, and then he meets Bianca and reconnects with her at a, at a bar shortly after pledging to marry Nera. 
And then an old woman gives him a mysterious potion that'll make him uh, express his true feelings. And when Luca drinks the potion out of curiosity, it like he dives into the well of his soul or something. And then you see Dragon Quest text boxes appear, yeah. <laughs> like basically telling tell him that uh, that that Bianca is who he loves in his heart. In a movie that was real strange, but uh, we'll I, we'll revisit in a in a minute. Yeah, I, I mean they do a fair job in the ending of trying to explain this away, and they explain a lot of things away in the ending, which I know we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I mean I do think they do a fair job. They actually make Bianca way more appealing here than they ever did to me in the original. They take the best parts of Deborah um, and mix and mix it with Bianca to make her into sort of a badass. And I, and I like the way that they characterize Bianca here. Bianca's um, cool. But, yeah. But yeah, but, but Nera is also like, you know, characterized in a way that makes her sympathetic, which I like. I mean, I think that um, even though the, the change from, I think a lot of might have pointed this out in her review, um, the change from Nera to Bianca is a little strange. Um, I can at least buy it because as the audience, I'm sitting there watching thinking like Bianca is so much cooler yeah. than Nera. You have mm. got to go with Bianca. They, they, I think they made Bianca and Nera both very likable here. Like, um, yeah, Nera, yeah, they're both well written. Yeah, 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 Nera is sort of clumsy, cute, but also definitely smart and not a and not a total uh, pushover. And uh, Bianca is just confident and funny, and she pushes Luca's buttons in a way that's really that's really appealing. And you're sort of rooting them to end up together, even when uh when Luca is awkwardly woo- wooing Nera and Bianca is trying to like. Uh, is trying to get him to not be a complete uh, mess, but 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 then when he eventually rejects uh, rejects Nera and goes with Bianca, it's a very sweet moment. And mm-hmm. then there's a you know in a reveal that was not in the game at all because the old woman was not in the game at all. The old woman that gave Luca the potion ends up being Nera in disguise. From the beginning, Nera knew that the hero had someone else in his heart, and so she pushed him in that direction, which was. A, a, a twist that feels a little contrived, but I don't. Mm. I don't hate it. Sort of. I do. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I don't like it, but like again, I think that they try to explain it away at the end. Like they try to explain away all yeah. the thing yes. I dislike about yes. this movie. Yeah. The the hero going with what's really in his heart is not is and, and choosing Bianca over Nira is not the worst idea, but the way that he so quickly agrees to marry Nera and then so quickly dumps her yeah. and then, and then, and then Nera sort of rolling with it and pushing him towards Bianca. That was shitty, but, yeah. but, but giving Nera a little bit more agency and a little bit more control over the situation, instead of having her just be someone who's, who's proposed to and then rejected. I, I think that softens the blow a little bit, but, um, like th- there's worse ways that he could have ended up with Bianca. Yeah, you're right. I think the like on reflection, I think my bigger issue was more the fact that, you know, you know if you've played the game. And actually, I think even the 16-bit sequence does this. It show I think it shows Bianca and Luca going up um up Tatton Towers, does. doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um yeah. so you already know they've had a bit more time together, but you know and even in the game Luca and Nero don't really spend any time together until he gets to Monsterferrato. Mm-hmm. And um, they they met they met once as children because their dads yeah. were friends. Yeah, and so like the minute he sees her, he's like immediately head over heels in love with her. It's just I don't buy it, and like I never bought it. But I guess again, that's the whole point, isn't it? And that's what the ending does is that you know we're we're yeah. we're, we're hit, we, we, yeah we're side-eyeing this ending so much i'm, I'm, this, I'm yeah, turning around yeah, i don't, I don't yeah, know how no, we can't i mean no I, it really um it really changes the entire view of the movie uh yeah. w- once you once they put some of those uh new plot cards on the table but we're not going to get to the ending yet we still have more <laughs> to talk about um they ended defeating Bjorn, and in one of the more amusing parts of the game, uh, like when Luca basically points his sword between Bjorn's eyes and and basically says, uh, "Like, like, like, uh, pledge your life to me, or have me kill you." <laughs> and and Bjorn literally sells, says, "I yield. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll help you." And then his eyes turn from red to white or something. It's like Shin Megami Tensei monster collecting. Yeah, time quest. <laughs> It's it's really watching the Pokeball shake and then and then and then fade to gray. 
Yeah, it's um. I really like that. It was and, really cool. Yeah, and and uh, Bjorn doesn't uh doesn't join you as like your steed for the rest of the trip or anything, but it's a, uh, but it 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 still was a, a little bit of a an odd moment to to end that conflict. And uh, but the hero ends up marrying Bianca. Everyone in the bar cheers, which is again really contrived. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and then they uh, recreate the fastest pregnancy in video game history by having uh by having Bianca give birth to a son about uh thirty real seconds later. <laughs> there is a suggestion that time's passed in this one at least. There there is, yes. There yeah. is a suggestion that there is like montage sequence that suggests the passage of the passage of time. Where no in, climbing in, mountains though when you're pregnant. Yeah, but, but n- not in the game where you ride a boat for half a day, climb a mountain for half a day, and suddenly your wife has morning sickness. <laughs> oh twins. Ah. But no twins. But not anymore. No, no twins anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um instead of having boy and girl twins whose hair color appropriately is inherited from the mother. Uh, I, they, just, they just have a single son, Alice. And uh, A-A-L-U-S. I'm, I'm not, you know, they're not like in Wonderland. Um, uh, and, and, and the hero's son is... I don't think he's portrayed badly, but I definitely resent that there's only one of them. Be, I think, uh, yeah. Zach was mentioning we should mention the thing we should talk about the things that we dislike the most being omitted. For me, it's the it's the daughter. Like the part of the whole point of of Dragon Quest V is you marry, you choose who you marry, you have two kids, and then you and then you like save the day as a family. Yeah. And um, they, they only they they eliminated half of the twins, and that that bothers me quite a bit. And of course, they had to write out the girl twin instead of the boy twin. Right. <laughs> well, she's not the Zenithian hero, so I mean, that, that's problematic. That, that is, throne, tr- that is yeah. true. And um, it may, might have been cooler if Dragon Quest V they made the, they made the girl the hero. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, but the, but an, another thing that is uh, different from the game... Uh, well, okay, first one thing that is they do have in common with the game, in both the game and the movie, um, the hero and his wife are turned to stone, and then there's another time skip. But the way that the transformation and the time skip is handled uh, is handled is very different in Dragon Quest Your Story. Uh, instead of having Laja, the demon who killed your father, turn you to stone and then separate the two statues, there's a big dramatic fight scene that uh, that the hero loses, and then is he's turned to stone very dramatically in a in a big pose and everything. Uh, with his father's sword, and then his, uh, and then Bianca is spirited the way to the castle, and then she's turned into stone uh, for for defying Laja and refusing to cooperate with him. Not as powerful as what happens in the game, but the the, the stone sequence and this time skip are one of the most memorable parts of the game. Uh, Zach, yeah. we've talked about about this a little bit yeah. off, off air. Uh, like, I I feel bad that you aren't someone's lawn ornament for several years. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, this is always the most powerful part of Dragon Quest V, and and I know like they they try to reproduce it a little bit, like they give you like the season changes, um, in this movie uh, that you have in Dragon Quest V, but you know, like the idea of like them being together and then them getting separated and like you sort of slowly seeing your children grow up as it's happening, uh, it, I just feel like the music of the game, the, the feel of the game, it. I always hate to compare movies to their source material in this way. I, I, maybe I'm too close to Dragon Quest V to talk about it. but And I, I'm, um, I'm too close to the Jake Gyllenhaal adaptation yeah. of Prince of Persia. <laughs> 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 just having him out in the middle of nowhere, like it just, just did not work for me. And, and Alana, um, the, way they, the way they handle the stone transformation and that time skip... Uh, how how does that do as an omission for you? Like, um, does it? I mean, does it cheapen the movie a further degree as it did for me, or were you a little more accepting of it than than maybe Zach or I was? It was probably a little bit less, but I do remember being a bit weirded out by the fact that because I remember I, it's not been that long since I played Dragon Quest Five, but like I specifically remember thinking it was odd that they weren't turned to stone together, and I think I'm glad they chose showed the season changes and things like that. Yes, um, but. Yeah, I think having Bianca turn to stone with Ladger in the final dungeon or final area, um, it it did cheapen it a little bit. But I guess this is to do with the kind of contracted 
length of the film, mm. um, it's giving the hero an extra goal to go after because at this point you don't really have any build up to his mother. You don't really know what she is. You, mm-hmm. You've heard what she is, but there hasn't been as much information and there never really is any more information because you don't really go to Zenithia and you don't get the castle back and anything yeah, else like that. Right, yeah. like, it's oh, entirely I don't, even, cut I don't out. even want to talk about that. Yeah, and they made the, uh, the journey to the fairy realm a, like, one minute in the end of the movie instead of a yeah yeah in the game it's a uh it's an adventure that you go on um as as a child and then there's a callback later in the movie where you revisit there to um to, to resolve some end game plot threads but here they uh basically when um all is lost and you're and they're uh and they're not sure how to get to um to lot to the to the final dungeon area they uh, consult with the fairies, and they set you on the path to getting the golden orb, which is one plot point from the game that actually I think they handle pretty well. Uh, yeah, it, I uh, yeah. At, at the uh, in in the game version of Dragon Quest, there's a uh, you meet a man with a blue turban in the very near the very beginning, and he admires a golden orb that you found at up a ten towers with your uh, with your uh, on your adventure that you had with Bianca, and then gives it back to you, and then later in the game you realize that. Uh, that golden orb was a key to reviving the Catholic castle of Zenithia, and uh, but it, it's smashed by Lodja uh, right after he kills your father. So what you do is you, with the fairy's help, you go back in time, meet yourself as a child. You were the blue turban man, of course, uh, and like surreptitiously swap the real golden orb for a fake. So the one that Lodja smashes in the uh, um, after killing Pankras is a fake, and that's a cool moment in the game and a pretty cool moment in the movie version. It's a uh, it, like they, uh, they they make both um, adult you and kid you very. They make that interaction very sweet. And, yeah, they make it fun, don't they? Yeah, yeah they they make it fun and and uh, and also um, Luke uh, seeing his uh, seeing his father briefly in the distance is a is a is a nice moment. That uh, that that, would, that I think I think was uh, it was well placed and well executed, but but again just just the order that that they do it in and how they instead of like instead of uh, reviving this castle it just is a transformation item for Doctor Aegon haha D R A G O N it takes a large part of um of the game that was really cool because like like Zenithia is this legendary location in Dragon Quest it was in Dragon Quest Four and you sort of going through its ruins and then restoring it to glory by having it rise up out of the out of the uh, out of the ground ground and become this floating uh, airship for you in the latter part of the game like that is a moment that I don't love that they completely cut. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of my bigger pet peeves. And I didn't mean to jump ahead to the Zenithia castle. No, no, it's fine. We're jumping all over the place. Yeah, no, it kind of just stood out to me that that would be the thing that they'd cut and then they'd, like, fast-forward kind of Bianca's capture rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, than cut that piece out instead. I would have preferred, yeah. I would have preferred it to be done similarly to the game, but again, I don't want to be, like... Like Zach said, even though I've only played Dragon Quest V once, I'm comparing it a lot to the game, but it's because I think the game does so much of it so well that I, I don't know. I feel like the emotional impact isn't there. And I, yeah, I, I just, I'm struggling basically to, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a really cool moment in the games, but I, I, and I miss it a lot, but at least I understand why they cut this particular moment. Like it would have caught, cost a lot of animation money to really sell yeah, and, and, yeah, the moment. And this movie has about a 90 minute runtime, which is, right. which is normal for cartoon adaptations like this. They had, they really had to make some choices with, uh, with what, to, with what to include and what not to. Yeah. At least they kind of cut the entire arc rather than like just bits of it. Like we know she's an Ethian, but really outside of that did we really need to know anything else about the castle or the people or anything like that probably not in context but i still like that bit in the game and so yeah, speaking of letting us know that bianca is zenithian um it uh <laughs> yeah there's a uh <laughs> i meant the mother actually but... oh well either of either of them really yeah, like like, right. like um we know that luca has zenithian ancestry because of his mother but ends up not being the hero's uh not being the hero because he can't wield the sword that uh, that he gets in Mon- in Monster Ferrado, but uh, it, it turns out that um, their son Alice is uh, is the hero, and that's true for both the game and the movie. The uh, like like af- when after Alice um, and Sancho 
find the hero and uh, and remove his petrification curse with the staff of Stolos or, or Storos, which again is, should be wielded by the daughter. But I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna gloss over that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But and, and after they heal him of his petrification, the seven or eight year old Alice uh, reacts to wielding the sword, and it re- and is revealed he is the hero of legend, which is uh, amusing uh, both in in the game and in the movie. I think that you're the hero, but not capital V capital hero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we talk about the ending, I think that one of the coolest parts of this game is that you are like the dad, and you're not the hero Mm -hmm. um and i actually think that the ending sort of ruins this particular element of the game as well but yeah oh we'll get to that ending soon we've only we've we've only we've (laughs) only i can't help it no no i can't help it either we've only like between the three of us we've only hinted at it 10 times (laughs) after alice realizes this uh you um you the sequence with the fairies and the golden orb and dr Aegon happens and then uh, dr Aegon transforms into a dragon and uh the whole crew flies up to the uh um to Lodge's castle. There's uh, a, a lot of fighting of demons. You uh um you heal Bianca's petrification curse and briefly meet your mother for a uh, few minutes. Um she's she's been held prisoner there by Laja for probably decades. And Laja has been uh growing stronger and stronger, getting power from the underworld, trying to break the barrier that your mother has uh has set between the uh the, the real world and the underworld. And you, you finally challenge Laja and lose pretty badly. But then they're in a really insane handful of moments. Prince Harry returns with the whole army of his kingdom. Because that makes sense. And, and Bjorn the giant demon returns, which makes a little more sense somehow. Yeah. I, I, I bought that one a little bit more easily I can buy the Bjorn, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's carrying the boat as well. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is an image. But uh, there's, a, there's a big dramatic battle. Uh, the hero completely wastes the two demons, that uh, Slan and Khan, that, uh, that, uh, that beat his dad decades earlier. Uh, there's a bunch of big flashy sword moves and Bianca casting spells. Again, I think the action choreography in this movie is pretty good. So seeing Bianca just yell "kafrizzle" and shooting fireballs at at uh, at Cyclopses yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. like yeah like like I, I I dig most of this sure super satisfying yeah yeah and um, there's a big dramatic battle against Laja that is a little less satisfying because it it I mean I I don't know it just didn't uh, it it didn't it have quick. the yeah, it was really fast. It didn't have the emotional weight of like you seeing your dad and mom's ghost sort of watching over you yeah. as, as during the final blow. That yeah. that was so great in the game, but then um, in the in the game, uh, you sort of uh, you break the seal to Nadiria and then and then uh, go through a bu- and then just travel through the underworld for a while and eventually fight Laja and Nimzo at the, at a castle at the end. Instead, here you beat Laja, then the gate. Um, opens because of I don't know some contrived BS. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think like why that could be the subtitle to this movie, right? Some contrived BS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and 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 your and the you the viewer is probably expecting a giant demon or whatever Nimzo is to uh, come out through the portal and and be the true final boss. But that's not exactly what happens. <laughs> Does someone want to try to explain this into my? In, to me instead because I'm not sure I, mean, I, can, I, I can do it I justice. I think that they know that the Zenithian sword will seal the gate and so mm-hmm. they Bjorn chucks him up to go throw the sword through the gate and it closes and that's all. <laughs> I mean, I, don't think, I think it's it. <laughs> I don't know how they know that the sword closes it. I don't think they ever really explained that. But... No. They, they, they know that somehow the, the, the hero and the sword are the key to defeating it but they I mean their solution is to chuck the sword at the gate but it doesn't exactly go as planned because Nimzo question mark comes out of the gate. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a strange thing. Yeah. The, this is the twist that we've been avoiding talking about for 40 minutes. And like, uh, to cut it short, Nimzo question mark is a virus or like an, like a program within a VR version of Dragon Quest V that a particular person is playing. And Nimzo, question mark, the virus, tries to explain to the hero what, like, why he's there and what he's built there to, like, what he's there to do. And then there's this whole sequence where the hero character is trying to explain why he keeps coming back to play Dragon Quest V with a big sequence of, like, 
basically like why everybody plays Dragon Quest, you know, why do we play video games? Oh well, so we can go on adventures and things like that. I had uh, w- one of the stupidest realizations I've ever had watching a movie uh, um, when I understood that this vi- this movie is not called Dragon Quest V. This, yeah. mo- this movie is called Dragon Quest Your Story because we're not watching an adaptation of Dragon Quest V. We're watching a person who loves Dragon Quest play yeah. a VR version of Dragon Quest. Which I think is a cool idea and actually like shout out to... I love the VR stage that they show, like where, it, like the the amusement area or like the arcade that it's played in. Like yeah. the the person who operates the machinery yeah. is dressed up like one of the soldiers from um, Dragon Quest Four, I think. Um, yeah, like yeah, yeah um, um, either either three or four. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah. play the hell out of this. I mean, I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah. If, exactly. if this was a real, if this was a real thing, I would I would waste hours of my life and uh, um uh, on it, but. But also, it, it informs earlier parts of the movie, like how the hero is so uh, is so clumsy and goofy. It's because it's the personality of the player, and not necessarily mm-hmm. the personality of the hero we remember from, we remember from Dragon Quest V. And how the uh, there was the weird segment uh, segment about his true feelings and choosing Nera than Bianca, because the player mentions in this cut in this uh, flashback that you know I'm going to choose Nera this time, even though I always pick Bianca. Bianca's my favorite in my heart. And mm-hmm. and the and the proprietor even goes, oh, you can uh you can program that into the game if you want, and like and which is you know why the drinking the potion in the dream was communicated in that way. It yeah, it, it's it it puts everything else in the movie into context, and um and I like the sur- the subversiveness of that idea, but I I it ultimately made me roll my eyes a little bit. Oh. Zach, just a, a week ago we were talking about near automata. Yeah. And uh, and part of the, part of Nier Automata is like the game telling you uh, you're just playing a city a silly video game, and it, <laughs> and, and it like it it, it it challenges the player in a like to um yeah. to, to like, like like do you respect the game you're playing or not? And but in in this one in Dragon Quest Your Story, this movie is just goes into a, a completely sappy soliloquy over. Yeah. Um, like, like uh, we we love Dragon Quest. We care about these Dragon Quest. These worlds are real to us, and uh, and and Dragon Quest is the players. This is your story in a way that yeah. is like is like this is a cute idea, I guess. But I'm just rolling my eyes at all of it. I, I mean, it might have worked for me if the movie had been good. Again, I, I I enjoyed watching this movie. I smiled through it, but it wasn't good. It it, it missed almost every beat of this uh, of the narrative that I think is powerful. Like Pankraz is not a ghost watching you at the end. That's, it's, it's hugely important. I, I mean, and again, it, like if, if it wants to position itself as a love letter to Dragon Quest fans and a, and a love letter to Dragon Quest V, then it needed to position itself in a way that actually acknowledged what's really great about Dragon Quest V. And there are moments where it does. It tries. Um, where, whereas with something like Nier Automata, I'm like, that's at the end of the actual game. And then Nier Automata is absolutely incredible. So it works there. It, it does not work here because you did not you were not respectful of the actual narrative itself. Because, again, when I was talking earlier, like, oh, I can't compare it to the original narrative. The movie wants me to compare it to the original narrative, and it mm-hmm. does a bad job of it. I, I, I basically agree with you, and, and part of this is an issue of time. Um, both Nier Automata and Dragon Quest V are RPGs in the 25 to 30 hour range, and this is a 90 minute movie, so of course it plays like a, yeah. sport, like a collection of sports center highlights than, than, uh, than of a real adaptation of Dragon Quest V. And, and, and that's okay, but in the choices that it makes, I think it cheapens some of the best moments of Dragon Quest V, and does this endgame choice that comes across as as sappy and making the and and making the entire movie like count less than 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 if it had been a a, a more straightforward adaptation, just trying to recreate tra- Dragon Quest V as best as it can. Uh, again, I think this movie would have been served better as. As a uh, as as an episodic series that's several episodes, and mm-hmm. I think that it would have been better served without this twist, making everything a a uh, a, a VR experience, and then the and then the character waking up from a dream, uh, you know, like uh, Super Mario Super Mario Super Two Mario style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing Especially I can think of because they they eliminated the dance scene at the end, and that is unforgivable. Oh yeah, the <laughs> ball, the, ball, the ballroom at the end with before yeah. the credits roll. That that's such a beautiful ending. Unforgivable. They, they, they completely eliminate the kingdom of Gotha. But, l- l- yeah, l- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah l- l- let's talk. Let's talk about some of the. Sancho uh, calls you your Majesty throughout, and it makes yes. no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they and um. 
let's talk about some of the things they've eliminated. Um, the the, uh, the third marriage option from the DS version, Deborah, is not in the game. That is uh, also unforgivable, as you know, I believe. <laughs> uh, Pri- <laughs> Prince Harry's entire arc is gone. In in the game, he falls in love with a young woman that escapes with you named Maria, who at first joins the, joins the church as a nun and then eventually leaves to become Harry's wife. And then Harry makes a, a real character change, and when you revisit him again as an adult... He has a young son, and you, re- and you reconnect with him that way. All of that's gone. The entire kingdom of Gotha slash Granvania is gone. The entire Zenithia castle is gone. The uh, rise from ruin and um, is this big sort of like Mount Olympus style like uh, castle in the clouds that is one of the signature parts of Dragon Quest in the 90s. Uh, they completely eliminate the hero's daughter. Now there's only one kid, and he's the hero. Instead of being a sort of a son and daughter going on a, an adventure with mom and dad to save the world at the later, later part of the game. Uh, oh, I, I could keep going on and on. There's no caravan. Like, you don't have a horse pulling a wagon. You're, I, I think of Dragon Quest V as a man in a turban with a horse-drawn carriage being like, with his wife, children, and their monster pals. That is Dragon Quest V to me, and instead this is what we got. I, I, I didn't hate this movie. Uh, the, like, like Zach said, I was mostly watching it with a smile. Like, there were fun moments, including the fight scenes and, uh, and, uh, and when he proposes to Bianca, and uh, like, like parts of it that exact, hit me in the exact right nostalgia parts of my brain and Dragon Quest fan parts of my brain that had me, that had me like, pleased to see what was happening on the screen. But ultimately, like, I don't think they made all the right choices in this adaptation. No, I sit with you there, basically. I think that they missed... Some of the bits that they skipped over are understandable, I think, like Gotha and the Zenithia stuff. And Sure, yeah. Yeah, it does, you know, it makes sense where they've cut it, but it's the stuff like the childhood arc, I think that really sets the film up for a failure. There's a failure in my eyes. Maybe not failure, but like, I don't, I, like you were saying, all those emotional hits, some of them were there, some of them weren't, but most of it was playing on my nostalgia. But like, Pancras' death being kind of really quick, not really understanding the whole reason for the journey, although you do have some explanation, it's not as, it's not as fraught, and it's not as toiled over. Um, you know, not climbing the mountain. There's certain things there that just lose their emotional connection that I think it makes Dragon Quest a fun, easy-to-watch movie, but does it make it Dragon Quest V the emotional, like, growing up, coming of age, raising the hero story? No, it doesn't. Not at all, I don't think. And I think that's probably my biggest issue, is that I think it lets it down in the first ten minutes, and then the ending... I don't mind the sappiness. Like, I don't mind the film necessarily telling me, hey, like, we play this game because we just want to go on the adventure and we pick these things because we love them and do this and that. What I didn't like as much, yeah, right, I don't think I needed to be told it because actually why am I sitting here watching this film? Because I love Dragon Quest V, that's why. I don't need to be told by some narrative device that's completely separate from the rest of the film. Oh, hey, this is why you're watching this film, isn't it? Like, you don't need to tell me that. But, like, what bugged me most was the fact that it was a virus program that was telling me it. Yes. Yeah. And the film still has a section after this twist. Like, it's not much. It's just the heroes walking away. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the virus is slowly undoing the world around the hero, mm. and then he's saved at the last moment by an antivirus who is amusingly amusingly the slime gootrude <laughs> yeah voiced and, by spike spiegel my yeah man. yeah they, they have steve bloom voice him and in the japanese version he's voiced by a uh, a celebrity voice actor who does a lot of narration work so just a, a, a major voice of god character which is a, a, a music a, a voice of god actor which is amusing coming out of a, a tiny slime and, and and Stephen Bloom is a is a good is a good choice or maybe Stephen Blum is his name is a good choice I think for uh, for that for the English version, and and that resolution wasn't uh, isn't what bothered me um, even though it's contrived which is an adjective that I've used eighteen times during this episode <laughs> but uh, Alana really hit it it's not the message of we love Dragon Quest that uh, that bothered me um, or even the sappiness of that message it's the way it was sort of just told to us. Instead of letting us feel the nostalgia and and uh, and ex- and just experience our love through a well-executed movie, they sort of told us how to feel and then ended on an awkward note. 
Yeah, um, I think the film would have been better served if they wanted to go for that twist ending. I think it would have been better off ending with it rather than having a little bit extra afterwards as well and not having the virus program. I think maybe showing a bunch of different kids going into this VR system, like, you know, then you aren't just having one story or seeing all these other kids going in and saying, oh, I want to pick Bianca, oh, I want to pick Nira, oh, I want this monster, oh, I want that. I feel like getting a wider perspective may have been a bit better rather than having one person's story because, like, I don't know, like, like you know, Zach said, Deborah is his pick. I know she's not in the film, but, like, the yeah. Bianca pick is not going to be for everybody and some people had Nera and it's a way to experience one other person's journey, sure, but like, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't, I think the way it's told is just, it didn't sit well with me at all. Like, it made me, it's telling me how to feel about the film and I don't want to be told how to feel about that film. Like, mm. I felt, I had a dumb smile on my face for most of the time, even if they did miss out bits, but yeah, like, why are you going to tell me to, to give me an agenda that I don't think needed to be there at all like that obviously anyway i don't think it, it's it's a real puzzling choice and i don't think it landed as powerfully as i wanted it to land um a lot of people compared this ending to the twist ending in the lego movie um <laughs> which which is a very very good yeah. movie um, and, and in the lego movie like throughout the story um the, the main character is sort of uh you know, sort of made fun of for being incompetent or uh, following the directions too much. And at the end of the movie, they sort of uh, communicate the idea that Legos, it's okay to follow the directions. It's okay to build whatever you want and go wild. Legos are sort of uh, for everyone and about, um, and, and just about building what you want to build. And, but they do that without telling it to you. They, they, they mm -hmm. do it in, in a way that is, yeah. that is uh, like, like, like surprising and cool, but not, um, but not just directly telling you how to feel. And so that's awkward coming out of this movie, and it, it just doesn't work. It's not the message, it's the execution of the message. And I think ultimately the, the biggest weaknesses of this movie are the beginning and the end. It doesn't, it doesn't properly uh, set up foreshadowing or, 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 or character motivation that is extremely powerful in the game, and it ends on this, on this weird choice that, uh, that, that I think puts the whole movie in a different context and is ultimately ultimately weakens it rather than strengthens it and uh, and again again i didn't hate this movie i'm glad i watched it i i'm 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 okay with the fact that it exists but it, it's not a strong adaptation of dragon quest 5 which is something i would have ultimately preferred to what we got yeah i mean the ending to me i mean i agree with everything you guys just said also just feels like a cheap excuse for why it doesn't work very well like oh you you know this you know the story you're fine you get it you get the Pankras moment, even if we did an atrocious job of setting it up. I, I mean, it, we, we, me, yeah, it, it, we get that you know who the Saber Cat and who Bianca well, and Nera right. are. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's to me that is the greatest sin it commits. I, I mean, I again, if they had done this again, take those fifteen minutes at the end and give me fifteen minutes with Pankras, and the whole movie is so much stronger. Um, I have issues with the ending. I mean, Harry just showing up on a ship for no reason at all yeah. is, is a problem. And I can, I can handle that because it, it makes absolutely no sense, but I can handle it. But People love them, callbacks, but what a weird callback. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a totally nonsensical one. Um, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it seems like you made an excuse for your movie being bad when you could have spent that animation money on making your movie actually kind of good. And again, dumb smile, but still, I, it, it was frustrating. It's weird that of the uh, video game adaptations to uh, have come in February, I have to sort of ruefully admit that the Sonic the Hedgehog one is better than the Dragon Quest one. Which <laughs> coming, was fun. Which, which, com which, coming, which coming from me is maybe a bit of a surprise. Yeah, same here. Uh, but uh, again, we have mixed feelings on this movie. Um, please read Alana's review because it's very eloquently written and uh, and uh, and goes over um, many, but not all of the same po uh, same points that we went over in this podcast. Let's say you're speaking to someone who has played Dragon Quest V and enjoyed it. Would you recommend this movie to them? Yeah, or I probably would. Yeah, yeah. I would all say right. it's yeah. worth watching. There, are, there, are, there are enough moments that I just that gave me like. Some of the musical cues, and I we didn't talk about Laja's uh, voice performance, but I thought it was delightful. Yeah, um, I thought it was great. I, I love seeing like golems running around and a mm -hmm. slime. I mean, like there, I feel like we we were very negative here, more negative than my feelings actually are. I mean, like I, 
there are so many moments throughout, um, like even just seeing the Zenithian sword um, being a I, thing, seeing that he had <laughs> that the son had blonde hair. I mean, like there are so many callbacks and moments. Maybe that, like, again, maybe my maybe favorite, uh, maybe my favorite scene um, in terms of you know comedy in this movie was when the son uses the Zenithian sword for the first time, and it's hugely powerful because he's discovering his powers as the hero, and he completely annihilates two Cyclops. Yeah, that, that is that, like, or, like or, or, like or that yeah, or, or or Gigantes maybe that is fighting, and and then a third one that's with him just sort of looks at the sun and looks at his fallen comrades and just and just hustles out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are a lot of moments I liked in this movie. It just it, it isn't a very good movie. But like, if you like Dragon Quest Five and you can just see it as like a, a as you said, like a sports center of Dragon Quest Five, then fine. I mean, I, I think that's okay, and I, and I enjoyed it for that reason. So yeah, um, Dragon Quest Your Story is not exactly an adaptation of Dragon Quest V. It's a highlights package of Dragon Quest V that you know goes in a strange direction at the very end. And uh, and again, the three of us, I think, have it's safe to say we have mixed feelings on it. But ultimately, I, I think all three of us are, are voting. Um, ch- check it out. Like it's uh, it's if you're not if you don't mind spending ninety minutes on a confusing adaptation. Then, uh, then it's it's not the worst way to spend those ninety minutes. Yeah, it's worth it for the animation quality and the dubbing. I would mm-hmm. say definitely. And the music cues. You, know, you said this before recording, but like some of the Sugiyama cues are really cool just to yeah. see in movie form. Yeah. Um, I think that Sugiyama is not the greatest video game music composer. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Which, which, yeah, which is well documented on other, <laughs> on other episodes of this podcast. But uh, like hearing classic Dragon Quest V music hit. Um, in sort of in sort of movie cues, instead of being uh, instead of being persistent music in a video game, I think fits a little better because we're we're getting less of it, which is <laughs> for the best, and uh, and and it's timed in a way that's mostly smart. So again, again like um, Sugiyama's music for once, not one of the worst parts of a, of a Dragon Quest uh, uh, adaptation. Okay, I, th- I think we're starting to run out of things to talk about uh, uh, for Dragon Quest Your Story. So, uh, th- listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, movie review journey. Um, we have several uh, movie and screen adaptation reviews going up on the website. Uh, and, and, Zach, you're spearheading a couple of these. We have um, e- either already out or upcoming uh, discussions on the Nino Kuni movie. Uh, should be up and we have the witcher coming up and we have alana's Mm -hmm. and we'll also have a review of castlevania and also like a big feature on lots of anime adaptations as well yeah that's right that anime adaptations feature has uh, like around a dozen entries on it or more so it's uh, It's got like 16 yeah yeah, (laughs) 16 okay well you 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 would know having edited the feature but yeah so uh so um just ballparking it we have uh, about 20 blurbs or full features um about uh screen adaptations of rpgs landing in february and march so please uh, uh so please check all of those out on rpgfan.com it's uh it, it's been a um i i didn't write anything for him this time but it's been a a fun set of features to follow but at least something going on at rpgfan.com right now but what else do we have going on rpg fan has uh, a facebook page and a twitter page and a instagram page a uh, a Discord server and a tw- and a Twitch channel with something streaming every day. Please check out all of our content on RPGFan.com in those theaters. We also have three other fine podcasts: Random Encounter about randomness, Phoenix Edge about current events, which is uh, hosted live on YouTube every week, and Rhythm Encounter about video game music, whose last episode was blank space here. But um, sticking to Retro Encounter for now, we have uh, several more episodes planned coming in uh, March and April. We, are, we have an episode on RPG adaptations uh, coming next week. We had a similar episode on RPG adaptations in 2018, and this one is uh, basically, basically more of what that, that episode was. They talk about their favorite um, video games, books, movies, uh, series that aren't RPGs that they would like to see in RPG form, I'm pretty sure Peter talks about Lord of the Rings again, uh, which is uh, <laughs> probably which is in character. Bo- uh, I'm bo- certain he does. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is in character both for him and the spirit of that episode. So that, enjoy that next week, and uh, later this month, we're doing two episodes on Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which was a 2015 Wii U game that had a recent uh, 2020 Switch port. I am playing that game for the first time on the Switch, and I'm enjoying it a lot, so uh, expect some mostly positive commentary from me uh, when we when you hear those episodes uh, later in March. And uh, 
I think I'm, I think it's really it's late enough for me to announce this. Uh, the game, the official retro encounter game journal for April is going to be Soul Blazer, that uh, quintet RPG for the Super Nintendo that goes some real strange places and makes some really interesting storytelling choices. It had two sequels in Illusion of Gaia, which is Illusion of Time in Europe, and Terranigma. Which we uh, had an episode, which we had multiple episodes on in uh, in Retro Encounters' first year of existing. So yeah, Soul Blazer is the game coming in April. So I think that's about enough for Retro Encounter and RPG fan. Let's uh, um, let's tell listeners how to reach us and then sign off. Uh, Starting with you, Alana. Oh, so the best way to get hold of me is on Twitter. I am at Alana Hakes. So please come and follow me and hit me up. And Zach. Uh, you can find me on Discord at ZachW and also uh, at ZachW at RPGFan.com email. And as for me, listeners, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times. I am Monsoon Mike on Discord and Monsoon on RPG Fans forums. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to watch this movie again, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I but I, I hear that um season three of Castlevania is pretty good. Maybe I should maybe I should watch that on Netflix too yeah, instead. Maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe you should check RPG fan for a review of that coming up pretty soon here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll be up at the time that this episode posts. I'd have to I'd have to check the schedule though. I'm taking a day off in March for something, but it's not Castlevania unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean Castlevania is about uh demons and vampires and uh and and, and you know, and like the someone's soul being destroyed in the in the journey to stop Dracula, but that's not half as dark as what goes on in the mind of Tom Nook. <laughs> <laughs> Trapped on an island with Tanukis. Thank you. Good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalist. <laughs>